This is the human side of healthcare, where we explore all aspects of today's ever-changing healthcare environment. Brought to you by the Dallas-Fort Worth Hospital Council and featuring CEO Stephen Love with co-host Thomas Miller. Now, let's make healthcare human again. Welcome to the human side of healthcare. We're delighted you've joined us today. And today we want to talk about pain and specifically in your back and in your neck. We're delighted we've got with us Dr. John Marcucci, who is the Chief Medical Officer at Baylor Scott & White Medical Center in Plano. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. You know, for our listeners, pain can be on a different scale. It can be kind of a moderate pain or severe, and it really can complicate other healthcare issues. Can you talk a little bit about pain in the back and the neck? Sure, absolutely. You know, it's one of the most common reasons people seek care, uh, medical care, and especially in our emergency departments. And it can be anywhere from, you know, simple pain that comes and goes very quickly within a matter of one to two days to, you know, debilitating back pain that results from you know, a herniated disc in your back or or other complications. You know, sometimes it's acute, it can become severe and almost debilitating. Is there specific expertise that you can share with our listeners related to what they need to do? Sure, and that's kind of why we developed our back and neck center was to help patients navigate that because it can be a very complex problem for patients. And sometimes we, even as care providers, aren't sure of the exact care that patients need. And so we've developed our program to help guide patients through care. We've assembled a multidisciplinary care team to help guide patients and navigate them through their care. So let me ask you this. Let's assume someone's watching that football game. It goes into overtime. They fall asleep on the couch. They're kind of cramped. And when they get up, they've got back pain and neck pain. How would you describe that? And what should you do when you experience that? Well, for simple pain, right? So if if someone's having difficulty walking or standing up or has numbness and can't feel their legs or have problems going to the bathroom, those are, those are signs of an acute problem that, that don't resolve in, in a matter of, you know, a couple of minutes or a few minutes. Those kind of things are, are urgent issues that patients should go to the emergency room for. Most back pain, the vast majority of back pain is self-limiting, resolves on its own with simple care at home, either heat or warm packs, heating pads, cold packs, whatever is more comfortable for patients and over-the-counter medicines like acetaminophen or ibuprofen, generally for the, for the vast majority of patients, back pain resolves on its own in less than a week or two. You know, you mentioned a good thing there, a week or two. Let's say after about 10 days, you're still experiencing, I won't say uh, severe, but maybe acute pain. At that point, you should see a medical professional I would think. Can you elaborate? Absolutely. Best word of advice for patients is to see their primary care doctor for further workup that that needs to be done. And generally, that's either usually in the form of x-rays to make sure that there's no acute 
urgent problem going on. And then primary care doctors can get them in the pathway to take care of what may become something that needs even more intensive therapy and care. And that's kind of what we've developed our back and neck center to help primary care doctors and help patients navigate through. You know, to help our listeners a little bit, let's assume they are out working in the yard, they kind of overdo it, they come in and they're really tired, their back is tired, they feel a little pain, so they take a hot shower, they apply some heat. You mentioned cold packs. Should you alternate or can you just do heat or just do cold? You can do either that makes you feel comfortable, I will say. The, the best thing for an acute injury or acute pain is probably cold packs. That will reduce inflammation and swelling in the short term and in the acute phase. And then as things are getting better and healing, then more heat will help promote blood circulation and blood flow to the area and help promote healing. I guess from a layman's point of view, I've, I've heard people say this and, you know, I have a stiff back. My back's kind of stiff. I have to get going and it stays with them. Is that something they should seek medical professional help if it continues? So sure, anything that's lasting long term probably needs to be evaluated by a medical professional. And that could be what you hear of as sciatica or, you know, a pinched nerve. Um, it could be spinal stenosis where the opening of your spinal canal is narrowing. It could be as simple as muscle stiffness and tight ligaments and joints. Um, and could need, any of those things could, could lead to a variety of needs for intervention. And that's where I think patients tend to struggle is they just don't know where they need to go next and what level of care do they need. And that's what our programs help to design to help patients navigate through. You know, you mentioned in your answer a couple of things that really are intriguing about, you know, if you have a sciatic nerve issue or a muscle issue, but let's assume potentially you could have a vertebrae issue. How does a patient distinguish where their problem is or how do you as a physician eliminate muscle nerve or bone right and so that's a, that's a combination of seeing your provider or seeing a care provider conducting a physical exam or a thorough history and evaluation and usually those things will require initial imaging whether it's with a regular x-ray progressing up to maybe a ct scan and or an mri to really get detailed images of both skin of soft tissue and and bone um, in your spine um, to see where the to pinpoint the problem and where it's occurring. You know, as you treat patients in your back and neck pain navigation program, do sometimes you finally say we're going to have to perform surgery? Well, sure. That's the that's the beauty of our program, right? Is is when patients are have pain that's not resolving on its own and don't know where to go, we can we have a multidisciplinary team of specialists and um, nurse navigators and advanced practice providers that help the patient along every step of the way. So you know we, we help the patients whether they have already had imaging or we get the right imaging based on their history and symptoms. 
for them, and then we navigate them to the right and appropriate care level that they need. And that can be anywhere from physical therapy to our pain management specialists. We have behavioral health clinicians. And then at the point where their surgical intervention may need to be evaluated, we have spine surgeons that we refer patients to to get them to the appropriate level of care to be evaluated by a surgeon. The main focus of our program is to get patients quickly through the program navigated to the appropriate level of care they need to get their pain resolved as quickly as possible. Boy, if you've ever had sudden onset of back or neck pain or an automobile accident, you know how important this topic is. More right after the break with Dr. John Marcucci from Baylor Scott & White Medical Center in Plano. This is the human side of healthcare, where we feature healthcare's hottest topics and what our North Texas area hospitals are doing to make healthcare human again. Welcome back. We're continuing this conversation with Dr. John Marcucci, who is the Chief Medical Officer from Baylor Scott and White Medical Center of Plano, talking about one of the main reasons that people go see a doctor back and neck pain. Steve? I am curious in your program, uh, do you have? many athletes, you know, that are in contact sports that might have some type of back or neck injury? So we can certainly manage them as well. Um, We also have a a second opinion program too. So if patients feel like they've seen a doctor that's recommending surgery or recommending interventions and they'd like our surgeons to to, um, give a second opinion, Um, We also have that service available through our program as well. The program's still new, so I don't have specifics of of breakdown of whether we're seeing sports injuries, chronic back pain. I can tell you anecdotally that we're seeing a lot of patients that have chronic back pain um, that's progressed or been unable to be managed by their primary care physicians, and so we're seeing a lot of referrals from our primary care offices. How do you think thus far the patient's perspective has been about this program? Um, we're getting great feedback from our, our patients. Um, we are following them all along the way. We're managing them through the program. So we're not, just, we're not just a referral program. We're actually managing these patients through the process. So if pain management isn't working, we collaborate with our pain management doctors to say, you know, this person's, you know, really probably needs to see a surgeon and back and forth. And so we're also navigating them through physical therapy and, and, and rehab. And if they need to see a behavioral health specialist, then we're referring them into them to help manage their pain. So we're guiding them through the process. We're checking in with them throughout the process, making sure that things are getting better and we're on the right path with them. So we're getting great feedback because most of the time when patients have back pain, like like we talked about earlier, they don't know where to go. They don't know if, you know, they don't know if they've got back pain that needs to see a surgeon and they don't know if they need physical therapy. And so we're here to help them navigate that process based on their symptoms to get them the appropriate care at the appropriate time. And we don't want, right, nobody wants to have surgery. And so we're trying to, you know, when patients do need surgery, they need to get to a surgeon. So we're also trying to help navigate the process to make sure that we're getting the patients that actually need to see a surgeon to see a surgeon. And we're doing things quickly. We have participation agreements with all our providers that we're able to see these patients quickly in all aspects of our program and get them the care that they need. 
that's what I was interested about. This program is new. It seems like that you have really become almost the gatekeeper, if you will, to help people that have neck or back pain. But how do people have this journey start? Do they have to get referred by their primary care physician? Can they contact you directly? What is the way the patient starts the journey? So that's a great question. And our vision at Baylor Scott & White is empowering you to live well. And so our mission is to you know, get patients the care that they need in the way that they want the care. And so we have opportunities for patients to be referred into the program through any avenue the patient wants to come into our program or their doctor. So um, we'll take patients from our primary care providers. They can get a referral from their, their physician into our program. If patients, and as we talked about earlier, a lot of patients end up showing up in our emergency departments. So our emergency department physicians can refer patients into our program um, if they feel the need. And then also we have a website and, an, and a referral number that patients can refer themselves. If they feel like they, they just want to come into our program, um, we, have, we have a website available for them. To, to come into our program, or they can call our referral number themselves, and that's, and that's 469-814-BACK, and they can call our program and be evaluated by one of our um, nurse navigators. You know, if someone experiences an injury, let's assume they're in an automobile accident, and they do have neck injuries or back injuries, If they enter your program and you get them through the initial treatment they need, do you also have relationships where they can have ongoing rehabilitation as they hopefully recover from this and re-enter the lifestyle they had previously? Sure. Actually, we we have a, a relationship with our Baylor Institute for Rehabilitation, and we can navigate patients for you know, physical medicine and rehabilitation, physical therapy, and those services are absolutely a part of our program. So what would you say has been the overall response thus far, and are you pleased with that response on this program? Oh, absolutely. In the, in the first three weeks, we had over 100, 100 um, referrals into the program. Over 50% of those patients are being currently navigated through the program um, we're probably in our, I believe, our second month right now, and we're well over 200 referrals into the program. We've had patients that have had, uh, already been through and had successful surgeries, um, and, and the, like I said, the overall response has been great. We're hearing from our primary care physicians as well who are, you know, sometimes get stuck trying to manage patients with chronic back pain, back and neck pain, and, and we've, been, we've been a lifeline to them as well. Um, and so it's been really helpful, and, and, and that's, that's, that's been our goal. To our listeners, do you have any final thoughts, not only about this program, but about back and neck pain in general? Sure. Back and neck pain is, is a very, it can be debilitating for patients, especially when it's ongoing and chronic. And we're here to help. We're here to help navigate you through. We, you know, we're, we're trying to be the easy button. And, you know, our goal is to, 
help people and make care better and empower patients to live well. This has been Dr. John Marcucci, who is the Chief Medical Officer at Baylor Scott & White Medical Center in Plano. If you would like to know more about the program, simply talk to your Baylor provider about the program and ask them if you might be a candidate. Also, Dr. Marcucci's interview is on our podcast and our YouTube channel under the Human Side of Healthcare. Now, we're going to take a minute to get an update from Steve about some of the latest trends of illnesses and hospitalizations across North Texas. You know, Thomas, we're detecting a slight uptick in COVID-19 here in North Texas and also this new XBB 1.5 variant is becoming prevalent in Texas. So we want to caution everyone, let's be careful, practice good health habits. We still have almost 200 people in the hospital with the flu, and so that's over and above COVID. And we would like to speak with Dr. Sean Riley from Medical City Care now about his thoughts related to viruses and specifically the flu here in North Texas. We monitor for the flu here in North Texas. Um, We look at a bigger picture. We look at not what's just happening here in in our own neck of the woods, so to speak, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, but we take a look at what's happening around the nation and around the world as well. The CDC flu surveillance, which runs about two weeks behind, has noted a national uptick with Texas reporting a particularly high influenza-like illnesses but a little more recent and specific data from the Texas Department of Health and Human Services notes there's been about a 30% increase week after week of positive flu tests in Texas and here in Dallas. You know, I was talking to an emergency room doctor, and he told me, you know, things are changing. He said, you know, Steve, I've been treating patients with flu in June, July, August, He said it's been all over the board. It just hasn't been that traditional flu season. Would you say that's what you're seeing? And what is the traditional flu season? Yeah, absolutely. It has been a little bit different this year. Usually we see the flu season in the United States start up in about November, generally peaks in about January or February kind of peters out around March or April. And although flu seasons can be notoriously difficult to predict, we generally look to the southern hemisphere, kind of know what might be happening to us in the future, because once again, their winter is our summer. When we take a look at Australia, for example, their flu season started particularly early, which was early to mid-October. Once again, about six weeks earlier than what we would normally see. And we're starting to mirror that here as well. When someone presents with symptoms, how do you differentiate if it's COVID-19 or the flu? Both of them are going to have a patient coming in with a fever and a cough. Now, it could just be another disease as well. It's not just the COVID and the flu that are out there during the cold and flu season, but we have things called rhinoviruses, enteroviruses, and particularly in children, RSV or respiratory succinctal virus. That's Dr. Sean Riley, who is the Regional Medical Director at CareNow Urgent Care across North Texas, and the RSV has been particularly aggressive again this year as well. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about a skin issue that can also be correlated to a mental health issue. Find out what it is next on the Human Side of Healthcare. 
Welcome back to The Human Side of Healthcare, where we explore how to take better care of your health so you can live a happier, healthier life. With DFW Hospital Council CEO, Stephen Love, along with Thomas Miller. Welcome to The Human Side of Healthcare. We're delighted you're with us today. And today we want to talk about some skin conditions, especially psoriasis. And we couldn't have a better individual than Dr. James Ralston, who's a board-certified dermatologist at Medical City McKinney. And also, he has in his private practice the Dermatology Center of McKinney. Dr. Ralston, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on it. You know, many of our listeners, I'm sure, have seen commercials on TV for different types of medications for psoriasis. But to really set the stage, could you tell us what is psoriasis and how common is it? Yeah, psoriasis is a very interesting condition. It's, it's a chronic inflammatory disease, and part of the immune system becomes overactive and speeds up the skin cell growth. So normally your skin cells grow and shed or fall off in about a month. But with psoriasis, the skin cells do this in only three or four days. So instead of shedding, the skin cells pile up on the surface of the skin, causing a rash. And so patients with psoriasis often have these scaly plaques that can happen anywhere on the body, uh, most commonly on the elbows, knees, scalp. Um, And then also that inflammation can affect other organs and tissues in the body, So, for example, one in three patients with psoriasis can also develop psoriatic arthritis, where they can have swelling or stiffness and pain in the joints. Um, It's a very common condition, psoriasis is. uh, Symptoms usually start between ages 15 and 25, but can really happen in any age. It can happen in men, women, children, you know, all skin types, uh, and it affects more than 3% of the U.S. population a U.S. adult population right now. So that's more than 7.5 million adults in the United States. Yeah, that's amazing. 7.5 million adults. You know, you mentioned it was chronic. So once you have a diagnosis, and I know there's treatment, but can you outgrow it? So it, it just depends. Like, you know, like many autoimmune or immune-mediated conditions, um, there's not a definitive cure for it. However, there are really good treatments. You know, over the last few decades, um, we've seen major advances in our understanding of what causes psoriasis, and which has led to the development of some amazing treatments. Uh, many of those, you know, you see on the commercials that, <laughs> that you referenced. It really depends. You know, sometimes uh, psoriasis can go away if it's being triggered by something. You know, sometimes there's a medication that can be causing the psoriasis. And in cases like that, we see it clear up. But for most people, uh, it's a condition that, you know, that that we can clear up with these medications often. Um, but it's one that, that can that can keep coming and, and going. However, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that a potential cure is on the horizon because of these tremendous advances we've been observing in the last, you know, few years. But the wide variety of, of treatments that are now available and, and new options that are available, you know, it's, it's not a condition you have to just, uh, you have to suffer from. You know, you mentioned 3% of the population is impacted. Does it tend to be hereditary? That's a, that's a very good question. You know, there, 
we know that the immune system and the gen- and genetics play major roles in its development. So, and the genetics of it's very complex. You know, we do see it run in families sometimes, but it is possible to develop psoriasis even if you have no family history, no family history of the disease. Um, a lot of times we see uh, a, a triggering event that can cause a change in the immune system, which can bring on the, the onset of psoriasis symptoms. You know, there's a lot of just everyday things that can, can trigger psoriasis, uh, causing it to appear for the first time. You know, things like stress or a skin injury, such as a bad sunburn or a cut, uh, infection, such as strep throat. Um, certain medications I mentioned can, uh, can trigger it. Uh, weather changes, especially cold, dry weather, uh, tobacco or excessive alcohol. You know, you mentioned in your answer strep throat. So strep mm-hmm. throat could actually trigger psoriasis? It can. In fact, there's a, there's a subtype of psoriasis called guttate psoriasis, and that primarily affects young adults and children, and that's usually triggered by a bacterial infection such as strep throat. And the rash for guttate psoriasis looks like small drop-like scaly spots on the, you know, on the trunks and you know, the chest, back, arms, or legs, or all the above. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that you see all kinds of skin disorders. What would you say are telltale symptoms that might make you think you have psoriasis? Yeah, so the most common type of psoriasis called plaque psoriasis. Typically, we see these dry, itchy, raised plaques covered with with scale. Um, they can be different different colors. Uh, you know, classically we call them silvery scale, but uh, but it doesn't have to be uh, that color. Uh, most commonly occurs on the elbows, knees, the lower back, the scalp. Sometimes we see it in the you know in the fingernails. Uh, sometimes you can have something called inverse psoriasis, where it, it occurs in the uh, body folds, you know, such as the groin area. Uh, and then there's more rare types, such as pustular psoriasis, which has pus-filled blisters. So fortunately, that's, that's rare. <laughs> and then the least common type is called erythrodermic psoriasis, and that can cover the entire body with a, with a peeling rash that either itches or burns. Um, I think the the main thing is that that psoriasis can uh, you know varies widely on on how it looks from person to person. You know, some people have just a couple spots, some people have dandruff-like scaling in their scalp, and then other people have you know major eruptions over a large percentage of their body. You know, let's assume that a child at school develops psoriasis, and I know you said generally age. 15 to 25, but mm-hmm. is it contagious? Could it spread throughout the classroom? That's a very good question. Psoriasis is not contagious at all. So you, you cannot get psoriasis from another person. So I, th- I think that's an important thing for, for people to understand is, is that psoriasis is not contagious and, and there's no reason to be, you know, afraid of patients with psoriasis or have any have any concerns about catching psoriasis from the individual that has psoriasis? And I think that's important for people to know because I you know I think it's stressful enough for for these patients who have psoriasis. You know I don't I don't want them to you know people to worry about you know having to avoid them. <laughs> you know you mentioned 
the different parts, the elbows, uh, the knees, and even in the scalp area. How would you differentiate psoriasis from dandruff? Well, that's a very good question. My first recommendation is, is if someone thinks they may have psoriasis, it's a, it's a great idea to see a, a board-certified dermatologist you know, to confirm that. What we look for in the office is sometimes we can see, uh, you know, subtle differences in how the, how the rash appears. Other times there can even be an overlap. There's something called SIBO psoriasis, which where, uh, you know, something like dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis can overlap with psoriasis. So sometimes you can have two different things going on. Um, you know, if it looks like dandruff in your scalp, uh, so I think, you know, anything anything that makes you think you might have it is worth getting checked just because there are such good treatments, um, especially if it's not clearing up with, you know, regular over-the-counter dandruff treatments. You know, you mentioned for psoriasis, there are many forms of treatment, which is certainly good. What would you say, by and large, would be the main treatment that is used? That's a great question too. So it it really depends on how extensive the psoriasis is. The good news is that you know about eighty percent of people with psoriasis have mild to moderate disease. Um, you know, but and the other good thing is that there's good treatments. You know, no matter how severe it is, whether you have mild, moderate, or severe psoriasis, you know, things that you can do to treat if if you, if it's very mild, if there's just a few. Uh, small areas on the skin, then there's uh, topical steroids or non-steroidal topical medications. So we use those a lot. And there are some, you know, some topical medicines that that have just uh, recently been approved uh, that we're seeing great results with. So, um, you know, I, I think that's an important message too, is that, you know, if, if, if you've been treated, if someone's been treated with psoriasis, in the past and haven't had a, a you know a visit for a while there have been so many new treatments recently that that it's worth taking a look at and you know getting checked out and just having a discussion you know to see if there if there is a, a better treatment uh for the patient to be on because uh, there are so many new ones so you know, mild treatments we can or mild psoriasis we can usually treat topically if it's more ex- extensive or if it involves the joints uh, or bothersome in other ways then uh, you can do phototherapy which is light treatments uh, there are there are oral medications um, that alter the you know they calm down that increased immune response um, and then there are a variety of injectable medicines called biologics. You know, a lot of the ads we see on TV are for, are for these biologics. And, you know, it's, it's really amazing to me, you know, just in the, in the time that I've been in practice, uh, treatments for psoriasis have, have gone so far that, you know, most patients can be cleared up with it. Even, you know, even patients with severe disease can get so clear that it that it's hard to find where they have a, a rash on their skin. This is Dr. James Ralston, who is a dermatologist at Medical City McKinney. When we come back, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to talk about a correlation between psoriasis, our skin in general, and mental health that is going to really surprise you. Next on the human side of healthcare. 
covering the healthcare topics that matter most to North Texas. This is the human side of healthcare with DFW Hospital Council CEO Stephen Love, along with Thomas Miller. Welcome back. We're going to continue this conversation about psoriasis and the largest organ of our body, our skin, with Dr. James Ralston from Medical City McKinney and the Dermatology Center of McKinney. You know, you mentioned the importance of seeing a dermatologist, and I know we're talking about psoriasis, but, you know, if you have a malignant melanoma, you need to get immediate attention. But you said something in one of your earlier answers If you have psoriasis that goes untreated, it could impact your joints and even have a form of arthritis. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. Uh, Psoriatic arthritis, um, you know, that inflammation that that occurs from the overactive immune response. uh, Some people even have it just in the joints without a rash. Uh, Other patients, you know, who have a rash of psoriasis develop joint involvement. And I think that's very important for, for people to know because, you know, I, I've seen many people where they come to me for the first time with psoriasis on their skin. And, you know, I'll ask them specifically if they have any joint pains and, and it's common where they say, Oh, well, yeah, I have arthritis, but why, you know, and I explain to them that, well, you know, that arthritis could be related to the psoriasis. And a lot of these uh, systemic treatments we have, either pills or the biologic injections, um, can not only treat that psoriatic arthritis, but it can also help to avoid permanent joint damage. So that's one thing about psoriatic, psoriatic arthritis is, is we have medications to, to, you know, stop that progression or at least slow it, you know, um, where, where if you're getting treatment early, you can really help to avoid permanent joint damage and that can have a big impact. So, um, you know, so if, if, if you have a rash and you have joint pains, uh, definitely you want to get checked out and, and get on a, a good treatment. What would you like to share with our listeners related to psoriasis that we have not touched on? Well, I think, you know, in addition to these medication treatments, I think it's, it's also important to, you know, to have a healthy lifestyle. Uh, we can actually, you can actually treat psoriasis with things such as weight loss, a healthy diet, exercise, not smoking, you know, decreasing alcohol, decreasing things that cause stress or anxiety. Typically, when we treat psoriasis, we use these these uh, great medications that are now available, but also, you know, talk about lifestyle modifications. Another thing I'd like to mention is, you know, we talked about, you know, how psoriasis can impact, you know, other aspects of your body, such as the joint involvement. You know, we also see some patients with psoriasis have an increased risk of, of heart disease or obesity or diabetes or uh, lymphoma, that sort of thing. But then also what I think is, is really important to mention is the, that depression in patients with psoriasis. There, there's a study that's, that says it may be higher than 50%. And I think that's a very important thing to, uh, to recognize is that psoriasis can have a, a substantial psychological, emotional impact on people. 
And so, you know, that's why I want to get the word out that there are really good treatments and, you know, patients who, who are suffering with this condition, you know, please do get help because there are great treatments available and, you know, and every year there's more coming, you know, I, I go to dermatology conferences all the time and, and it's exciting to see the things that are, that are here now and that, and the treatments that are coming and, um, you know, go see a board certified dermatologist and, and, you know, it can really have a big impact on your life. Dr. Ralston, this is Thomas. I've just got to follow up on that. The skin is our largest organ. When you talk about depression being manifest on our skin, now that's an interesting comment. I don't have a question. It's just an interesting observation. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that, uh, of course, I'm, I'm a big fan of, <laughs> of treating the skin. Uh, but you know, as, you know, skin is what, that's what people see, you know, when, when, when you meet someone for the first time, you know, they, they see, your, they see your face and, you know, they see your hand and they, you know, and, uh, so I think it, I think this, the skin does have, um, you know, is, is very closely tied to, you know, to our emotional health. And, you know, and then the other thing is, too, sometimes the skin is, is kind of a window of what's going on on the inside. You know, if, if uh, you know, if things aren't healthy on the inside, sometimes that shows on the, on the skin. And, and um, that's one thing that I really like about what I do is, is you know, I, I can help with, you know, the largest organ on your body and, and you know, and help uh, not just fix the skin, but, uh, you know, sometimes treating the skin or, or observing changes in the skin uh, can make a big difference uh, for your health on the inside as well. Yeah, this is really interesting. And I know we, we have a fairly narrow topic here for this segment today, but as a dermatologist, would you, if we were talking to you casually at a restaurant or out in a social event or something and talking about your business, and it came to this about the fact that our skin reflects our inner health as well, our mental health, and mental health being such a prominent issue today. Do you see this in other areas of dermatology as well, besides just psoriasis? Yes. Yes, I do. And uh, yes, and that, I think that's a big part of dermatology is, um, you know, again, not only, not only fixing what's on the surface, but uh, also you know, recognizing changes in the skin that are a sign of something going on on the inside or just helping people, you know, feel better about themselves. You know, a lot of times if we improve the skin, um, you know, it, 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 it can, it can help you feel better. Um, you know, <laughs> this is a little off topic, but, uh, I was at a dermatology lecture one time that they talked about the prevalence of uh, skin conditions in villains in movies, like especially children's stories, you know, so like, like a witch with a big wart on her nose or, uh, you know, a, a villain with a big scar or some other, uh, you know, skin issue like that. And, uh, you know, and number one, you know, it, it it doesn't mean it is a villain if, if they've got a <laughs> some skin condition. That's an important thing, you know, uh, to note. But but I think it is interesting that, uh, 
you know, when someone has made a, a cartoon or something in the past that, you know, you'll see skin conditions reflected in that. And, uh, you know, so uh, I think it was a very important thing to treat. Steve, I'm kind of blown away here. <laughs> yeah. It really, I mean, it between really you and me, we've got about a hundred and gazillion years between us. <laughs> I've never, <laughs> never correlated that our skin would be a reflection like that of our mental health. Yeah, I, I, I never have either, but it makes logical sense. And I can understand uh, certain skin conditions could cause you to be depressed. Uh, you know, it affects, as, as he just said, the physical appearance. Uh, I, I can see how it's tied in. That's yeah, amazing. I, you know, I was going to say, this This is, uh, you know, not talking about psoriasis, but one of my favorite things with my job is um, treating uh, teenagers with acne, you know, and I, I've seen where, where young people come into my office and, you know, and they feel self-conscious and they're, you know, and they're worried about, uh, how their, how their face looks, you know, and then we get them on treatment and get them cleared up and then they come back and usually they, they've got their hair cut, you know, out of their face and, uh, and they've got a big smile on their face and, and it can really make a difference in, you know, in, in, in how they perceive themselves. And, you know, I, uh, I think it is very important. What an incredible surprise, if you will, at least for those of us who have not studied it like Dr. Ralston has. We've been talking with Dr. James Ralston. He's a board-certified dermatologist at Medical City McKinney and also his private practice, the Dermatology Center of McKinney. Steve? Thanks, Thomas. Great advice today. We want to thank our listeners, and we hope you'll join us next week for the Human Side of Healthcare.